Y'all. You know that word, right? It's a form of the phrase, you all, or all of you. But why use those phrases when one good y'all will take care of all of it? I had a speech professor in college who urged those of us with southern accents, which in those days was most of us, to find a, train our voices to find a more neutral accent, as she said, and to rid ourselves of certain regional slang words and idioms such as y'all. I believed her. I tried to find something better to convey the feel, the pure expanse of y'all, and I couldn't do it. When I was on sabbatical a few years ago, I stayed in a monastery, as many of you know, in upstate New York, right on the bank of the Hudson River. I was there to live in community with the brothers of Holy Cross Monastery and to spend a week listening to Diana Butler Bass. I was doing my best not to stand out as the lone southerner, which I was. When someone stood up in a Q&A session and said, I think y'all need to consider, and I didn't hear anything after that. All I knew was that she was one of my people. And I went to her after the presentation and found out that she did live in Poughkeepsie, New York, but she was from Athens, Georgia. I'll never forget the time that Janelle Brinker stood up in front of our congregation and not only said the word y'all, but stopped to note that she had just said the word y'all. Janelle has given this church many gifts in her time here, and it turns out that we may have given her a few as well. Among them, that word. It's kind of like when people move to Scotland or England, and after a few months and years, no matter where they're from in the United States, they develop a distinctive accent that they don't recognize they've picked up until they come back to the United States. I suspect Janelle will get back up to Michigan, and sooner or later, y'all is going to slip out of her mouth. She might get teased a little bit for that, but I say, Janelle, wear it proudly. Because it's a good word. Maybe the best word for conveying what today needs to be conveyed. When uh, we say y'all, we mean all of you, everyone here, no one left out. And that's the word for today, the word for Pentecost, the plural you. That you, that plural you, happens quite a bit in Scripture. It doesn't translate well from the Greek or the Hebrew. It feels more singular when most of the time it is plural. Will Campbell was famous for saying that the word shalom, that 
Hebrew word, which is translated in the Hebrew as most often as peace, is actually a much fuller word than one English word can account for, that it is a blessing of God and God's dream, not just for one, but for the whole earth. Shalom is peace and wholeness. It is the world as God intends. It is for all people. Abraham was blessed in order that his people might bless the whole world with shalom. So Campbell, good resident of Mount Juliet, Tennessee, always said when he greeted uh, people before his lectures, shalom, y'all. Shalom, y'all. Pentecost is a Jewish festival. It's also known as the Feast of Weeks. It occurred 50 days after Passover. And it marked the spring barley harvest. Jews would gather in great numbers in Jerusalem for the feast. And they would mix and mingle with Jews who were from all over the world, but who were living in Jerusalem. And the disciples of Jesus are there for the festival as well. The number 50 also has significance for Israel because the law of Moses commanded that every 50th year be declared a year of jubilee. And during this 50th year, all debts were to be forgiven and land was to be returned to its original owner. All slaves were to be set free. There is no evidence, biblical or otherwise, that this jubilee year ever really occurred in Israel. But it remained in the consciousness of the people, and it was brought to awareness every year at the Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks. Part of the draw of the number 50 is the way it opens out into the future. In Genesis, creation occurs in six days. And on the seventh day, God rested. Seven days. Seven weeks after Passover, seven times seven is 49. And then the 50th day, is a day of newness. It's a day that breaks out of those seven. It's a day that brings awareness of God's continuing activity in the world. For Christians, 50 days after Easter is seven weeks plus one day, the new day, the 50th day, when the Spirit descends and opens out to us the future. And the future is for all, for all of us. Not one of the Jews present in Jerusalem is excluded on this day. Each one of the disciples is filled with the Spirit. The crowd in Jerusalem gathers around the house where they are because each one hears in his own native language the gospel. The list of nations that you heard read is a wide sweep 
through the known Greco-Roman world where Jews lived at the time, all come together, this one place and one time. When a few people mumble that perhaps all of this is just a drunken spectacle, it is none other than Simon Peter who stands to address them. If I may paraphrase, he says, y'all, it's right there in the Greek, the plural you, y'all, this is God's new day. And quoting from the prophet Joel, he declares that everyone is in on it, young and old, sons and daughters, slave and free. This is a great outpouring of God's energy upon the church. It propels the church into its future. And Peter, of all people, the same one who had sought to draw the circle so small, now imagines all people dreaming God's dream and seeing God's vision and finding their lives embraced by the shalom of God, the salvation of God. It's a radical word. Right now, all of us are recipients of God's visions and dreams. All of us, individually and as a community. It doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. It doesn't matter how wealthy you are or how poor you may be. It doesn't matter your neighborhood or your politics or any one of the countless ways we try to manage and wall off the Spirit. The Spirit blows where it will. The Spirit is, as one writer says, the present tense of God. The present tense of God. Right now, the Spirit is pushing us forward with visions and dreams that we have not yet even imagined. It is the 50th day. It is Jubilee. Last weekend, our family traveled to Memphis to celebrate the graduation of our daughter, Chandler Bell, from Rhodes College. It was a beautiful setting there on the lawn. If you've ever been to that college, you know those stone, big stone Gothic buildings. Very beautiful, and we were sitting there. And not long after, a family took their seats behind us. And Kim and I have a running joke. I, I'm always the one that wants everything to be done properly, you know, when we're in settings like that. And I uh, don't like calling attention to our family. And I'm always, shush when our kids were younger, shushing them and getting them to be still and, and whatnot. And no matter where we go, it seems, we are always going to be seated near the loudest, most obnoxious people in the place. Restaurants, football games, the symphony, and yes, graduations. And sure enough, the people right behind us could not stop commenting on everything throughout the graduation. They were not using their inside voices. They were making borderline racist statements at times. They were airing family drama for all to hear, and on and on it went. 
At the very end of the ceremony, one of the religious studies professors stood to pronounce a blessing. And these were the words she shared from a 4th century story of the early desert fathers. Abba Lot went to see Abba Joseph and said to him, Abba, as far as I can say, my, as far as I can, I say my little office, I fast a little, I pray and meditate, I live in peace, and as far as I can, I purify my thoughts. What else can I do? Then the old man stood up and stretched his hands toward heaven. His fingers became like ten lamps of fire. And he said to them, If you will, you can become all flame. That was the benediction. And in the silence that followed, the group behind me said, What does that mean? And they added a couple of other words that I won't repeat. Maybe they should have asked her out loud if she was filled with new wine. Have you ever been in love with a person, with an idea, with a piece of art, with a musical instrument, with a mission? Have you ever been so filled with passion it was as if you were lit on fire? Have you ever been captured by a dream or a vision that your entire life became oriented toward that? Pentecost is the day we are caught up, body and soul, into God's vision, God's dream, when we are invited to be lit on fire, to become all flame. William Blake wrote, unless the eye catch fire, God will not be seen. Unless the ear catch fire, God will not be heard. Unless the tongue catch fire, God will not be named. Unless the heart catch fire, God will not be loved. Unless the mind catch fire, God will not be known. I can honestly not think of better words to share with college students who are graduating, who may be tempted to enter the next step of their lives and settle into doing my little this and my little that. And by all means, do so. But what she was reminding them and what I'm reminding all of us here today is don't forget there's more. So much more. There is the opportunity to get lost in a vision, a dream, the dream of God, the vision of God to become all flame. So y'all, why don't we receive the gift this day offers? Why don't we become all flame? To the glory of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.